Welcome back to the Slowdown Podcast. And as always, thanks for slowing down with us today. On episode 87, we're starting with the global problem of moralism. Humanity's number one problem is its unbelief in the finished work of Jesus. This unbelief has resulted in Christianity becoming synonymous with moralism and the church being reduced to an improvement center. As a result, the church is just another option among many to a world enslaved to the endless pursuit of the ideal self and society. Table Network was formed to help people find freedom in the finished work of Jesus so they can offer others unconditional grace and belonging in the name of church. It's our firm belief from both scripture and personal experience that when you take Jesus at his word, you are free to be nothing but yourself and offer nothing but Christ crucified. Three, two, one, and we are back. Good to be back, Russ. How you doing today? Doing good, man. I'm doing good. Excited to be back. I'm excited for uh, the start of fall and all the pumpkin spice. Everything is so nice. Just a, just, just like basic white girl stuff. That's what you're here for. Pretty much. Pretty nice, much. dude. Yeah. I like it. I'm kidding, dude. I don't really do the whole pumpkin thing, except I am a fan of pumpkin pie. I always have been. I can eat it year-round. And when I mean eat it, I mean the whole pie all the time. You, you eat it? I do. I do. <laughs> I do. But I'll tell you really fast, another thing, and I like it, thank you, <laughs> is, bro, at Whole Foods, they got, um, they got these new ice cream sandwiches. It's a graham cracker ice cream sandwich with pumpkin ice cream. Oh. Yeah, it's for real, man. That sounds like something I would just eat a whole box of. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's my plan tonight. So that's what I'm doing, dude. Nice, dude. I like it. Yeah, I'm always excited for fall. Fall's my, uh, my favorite time of the year. And, you know, my, my birthday is on the front end of fall. I just celebrated my 40th, my 40th birthday on September 4th. Yeah, so I'm officially part of the, the 40 club. Over the hill, over the hill, bro. It's happened. That's what they say. All these people in their like 60s are warning me about my body breaking down and all that. Yeah. And I'm like, when did you say that that happens? Because you're like 60. Yeah. Well, they probably, you know, just looking at you, you know, like you look way older than 40. <laughs> so <laughs> probably just thinking maybe you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna get there a little quicker than they did, perhaps. But I act way younger than 40. So like when people get to know me and they're like, <laughs> yes. how old are you? And I'm like, I'm, I'm 40. They're like, you're 40? And they're like, dude, I just thought you were like a super senior. Like you got held back a couple of years. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, dude, but <laughs> you basically just said, yeah, yeah, I look out of shape, but I'm super immature. So it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, I knew I knew exactly what I was saying. Cool. I love it, dude. Hey, I nah, can be man, honest, I can be honest about myself. Yeah, Lord knows we need that. Yeah, yeah, lead. absolutely. But really quick, I do want to say before we get into um, our episode today that it has begun, and this is another example of your influence in my life because i know that i've had lots of influence on on your life in an, in a variety of of ways um mm -hmm. we don't have to get into all of them today but one of your influences in my life is i started listening to outlaw country this week bro and um i started with two i went back to like the roots dude the roots um i started with two albums and i listened to both of them probably like four or five times through first one i started was uh willie nelson's redheaded stranger that was my yeah, first one and then the second one was waylon jennings honky tonk heroes honky tonk heroes devil made me do it the first time second time i've done it on my own you <laughs> see was honest was that bro. pretty good was that pretty good yeah you didn't sound anything like him but I mean, yeah, no, good. that's like my version of like, if I was like a country singer, that's how I would sound like just super yeah. easily and annoying, like Midwest Ooh. outlaw country. Yeah. I don't know if that would fly. 
Yeah, dude, it was fly. Yep. It's like that one old dude from um, Sleep at the Wheel, you know, back in the heyday, man, of that whole scene. He said one of the Nashville producers was like, man, I can't stand this Willie Nelson that's taking over the world right now. Because Willie Nelson, dude, was on the front of Rolling Stone magazine, right? I mean, he's like, he's crossed every single genre, line, right, culture, you know, you name it. And uh, this dude was like, yeah, I can't stand him, man. He sings through his nose. And this lead singer from Asleep at the Wheel, he says, <laughs> he just, he said, well, that's one hell of a nose. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it's good, man. It's good music because it's truthful. It's honest. It's real. It's, and I, it's I think that's true, what I've dude. enjoyed about it my whole life. I connect with it, you know? Yeah. Like, not so much the u- utopian stuff, but the dystopian yeah, like the c- country tends to be a little bit more honest about what is. Yeah, yeah, and stories, which Instead I think is like, why so know, many thinking about what should be or whatever. Yeah, so great point. Well, welcome so, to the so club, it's man. Begun. It's, it's begun. begun. Who knows where my you know where the path's going to take me? But I'm starting off right, and I have had a good coach in you. And I don't. I'm gonna have zero interest in country music in general. Just out, just the country that sings a lot about cocaine. That's the kind of country that I want to listen to. There you go, man. Going into this fall, bro, with a pumpkin ice cream sandwich and some Willie Nelson playing, and sounds like a good season in front of you. All right. So enough about intros. Enough about all that jazz. We're getting into our podcast today. Um, you heard the intro read. Basically, um, we're, we're glad to be back. Um, we've kind of took a summer break like most people. Um, not like we took the entire summer off of work, uh, but we definitely uh, put podcasting to the side for a little bit. Um, and a lot of people have been coming around. A lot of like new people coming to the Table Network. We get people reaching out every single day. People listening to the podcast, people jumping in. Um, we're even getting back to traveling now. We got some stuff coming up on the calendar in October um, and towards the end of, of the year. And so since we've taken a break and a lot of new people have been coming around, we thought it would be good just first podcast back to recenter ourselves, right? Just kind of like get everybody back to the center. Like what is the problem as we see it at Table Network? What's the answer? And what do we do in light of that? How are we functioning in this world? And how are we functioning as a network? And how are we calling people, right, to live in light of both what the problem is and the answer? And that's what we're going to get in today. And the number one problem as we see it, right, it's not Donald Trump. It's not Joe Biden. It's not systemic racism. It's not whatever. Fill in the blank. The number one problem is, might surprise you, moralism. Yeah, man. It's uh, definitely been an eye-opener. You know, just taking a little time away from a lot of the side things, that, you know, as you've already mentioned. We've definitely been really busy with people. And I think the more you, time you spend with people and in conversations and the, and the more you reflect on what you've seen and what you've learned over the years you know, in ministry, it was a little bit eye-opening for me to kind of peel through so many different layers, so many things that we grab onto as like problem solution and then getting out of the root of it and going, no, nah, man, it's uh, I think there's, I think there's an obsession here with the project of self. I think there's an obsession here with the pursuit, I guess you could say of the ideal self and the ideal society and the thinking that, that we're not home, but we need to get there. Hmm. The thinking that we don't belong. But if we do this, this, and this, then we will. The thinking yep. that based off what I believe, what I think, what I do, who I'm with, who I'm not with, what I'm for, what I'm not for, all of these things have a bearing on my belonging in this world. And the more we grab onto those things and pursue those things, we can see how they can flesh out into a million different ways. But man, I'd say at the core of it, you, you find this, you know, what I'm describing here as moralism, this deceptive, addictive, divisive drug. Yeah. And uh, we define moralism as a religion of doing good. Uh, that's kind yeah. of the phrase that we've, we've landed on. And um, Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines it as an often exaggerated emphasis on morality as in politics. And I thought that that was pretty relatable as I look that up, especially um, coming up to an election here. 
Another dictionary defined moralism as the practice of moralizing, especially showing a tendency to make judgments about others' morality. And so mm. it, people might be surprised, like, why, why moralism? Why not, you know, um, you know, like liberalism or, you know, the devil or, um, you know, like what are your typical kind of like villains, you know, in yeah. the world? Like, why, like, what's wrong, with, what's wrong with being good? Like, what's wrong with doing good? Well, notice we said it's moralism. It's the yeah. religion of doing good. And moralism is like when you combine pride, right, and mission with good. And yeah. then you start to think that you are good, right? You're like, you're never the villain, right, in the, in, in the scenario. You're always painting yourself out to be good. And you have a list of reasons why you're good. And yep. both sides have their own list and look at the other person as if they're the villain, right? Mm. So you can define that if you are maybe a little bit more like traditional um, Christian evangelical right or your traditional like liberal social left. Everybody right, thinks that they're the ones who are good and here's a list, here's a reason why, and here's all the reasons why the other side is effing up the world yeah. and why they need to change their minds and why they're wrong, I'm right. And if only people would see the world like I do, behave like I do, vote like I do, live like I do, approach the world like I do, then we would have the ideal society and the ideal self that I want and God wants. Yep. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. I mean, I think you summed it up well, dude. And just, it's, uh, and, I, and I'll, you know, just to point out, like in our conversation here, I, we're not saying, you're not saying, I'm not saying that there isn't a right or there isn't anything that's wrong or there isn't right. truth that's objective, right? That exists outside of us that we can either align ourselves to or not. We're not saying that things that are done aren't harmful to people as much as we're saying at the core of this thing is a religion that's about us mm. and what we do. And Christianity is not about us and what we do. And I think that's sort of what's kind of getting lost. It's not even sort of getting lost. It's straight up lost. Yeah. In the midst of a lot of conversations and tensions. Um, you, know, you just back up, man, and doing the research and looking like the 1960s, you would find just to give you an idea like where this thing goes to, less than 10% of the population thought that a political affiliation had, had any bearing on a relationship, a friendship, or even marriage. Republicans and Democrats used to be married together right. for 50, 60 years. So less than 10% thought it was even a thing. You yeah. fast forward to today, and dude, right now, in recent surveys, 86% of the people polled said they would not even go on a date with someone who voted differently than them. I'm just saying like, and you can run this down a, a number of things, even outside of politics, but it's just showing more and more that like the more we run at the religion of doing good, whatever that religion we've concocted is, whether it's in the name of Jesus or not, ultimately, right? The story is about you and what you do and what you don't do. And everything hinges on that. And of course we have a God that's looking down going, nah, uh, I, I think you, I think you've missed the story here, and I think he does it graciously, and he does it in love and kindness. We know that, but where all this leads for us, man, is eventually, eventually, you just realize that when the church abandons the mystery of the cross mm. for the religion of doing good, okay, no matter what track that's on, right, left, middle, whatever, she's left with nothing to offer a world that is enslaved to the endless pursuit of the ideal self in society. In right. fact, as you said, the church even becomes just another avenue, okay, offering you a place to pursue the ideal self in society. Yeah, we get added to the menu, the yeah. list of, you know, tribes and ideologies that you can grab onto to be a good person and help make the world a better place. Yeah. And it's, you get, you, get, you get sort of thrown into this mix, but the church, by definition, is so otherworldly. It's the opposite of that. It's not a mix of that. It, it actually is a place where right, left, middle, and even politically indifferent. And then run down any 
any view on any other thing you want to from there can still find a place of connection and belonging because the story is about a God who came to rescue us. Yeah. Not improve us. Yep. He didn't come to be a guide. He didn't come to be a mentor. He didn't come to be a teacher. None of those things would work. None of those things would suffice. And there's something so rich and so beautiful and so literally life-changing in that. But it just gets this good news, man. It just gets buried under a list of, as you've said before, which I love, uh, it gets buried under, uh, under a list of have-tos, how-tos, and here-tos. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, and, you know, we have to grapple with the fact that Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2.2, I desire to know nothing among you except Christ and him crucified. Yeah. It's literally the only thing I want to talk about. Um, and why? Is, it's why the is crux. That? It's the... It's the it's the Jesus is the, the, the centrality of God's redeeming work in the world. God's answer to the ills of the world. Yeah. I mean, like, think about it. Like if you have the power and you can just write the script for like what would unfold and fixing everyone and fixing the world, right? Like, what would you do? Like, how would you write that plan? And let's say in writing that plan, like everyone fell in line and it all came to be. Mm. I mean, God literally looked at a world, right? At the time when Jesus came in the first century, you can't really say that, you know, our world's more broken than it was then. In fact, you could probably argue the opposite. Oh, um, dude. The, especially for those in the West, us and who live in America, right? Yeah, but even in this context, like the 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 racism, the oppression, the government corruption. I mean, it's, it's, it's not only at it, like, it's not only happening right in front of your face, it's happening legally. It's right. I mean, it's to, to think of a more oppressive society would, would be hard to be hard to find. Yeah. And so God's answer to it all is the sending of his son, the dying of his son by crucifixion and the resurrection of his son. Mm, Yeah. That's it. And so the, the, the centrality of God's redeeming work in the world, his answer to everything was to come and lose, yeah. to come and lose on a cross, to die. And that's a hard pill to swallow for those of us who, um, who want to imagine that God's number one desire and demand of us is to live morally upright and live and act and vote in such a way to help the, the world, right? Yeah. Get their lives straight. Yeah. It's like the cross becomes a starting point yes. in that, right? The cross gets presented as a starting point. Jesus gets presented as a guy. The church basically starts to become like an improvement center. And you, know, you could see where that goes or, Hey, check this out. Ethics become the starting point and the people who have been able to apparently get it together, become politicians as examples to help us get places where we need to go. Mm-hmm. And the government becomes the improvement center. Okay. Now let's take it another way. I'm just saying like, you can, you can see where, what happens when you replace the mystery of the cross that you just said as the centrality of God's work in the world to redeem all of humanity, to yeah. reconcile all of it back to himself and to one another that uh, all that's lost when, when the cross becomes just something that happened or a starting point in the mix or just a sign of God's love or a one-time stint at forgiveness or whatever, you know, whatever you want to take, you know, down this road. Right. Yeah. And so for us as a, as a network, we're always caught in this place where we're having to explain like who is table network, especially in light of those who are kind of like shopping other Mm -hmm. organizations, other networks, other denominations, right? The kind of people that are coming to us, are the kind of, pe- kind of people that, I mean, they, I, I think they really want to see like good news spread. I think they care about people. I think they care about their lives. I think they care about their families. They care about their cities, their communities. And there's a lot of stuff written out there for them to grab onto and believe in their pursuit of that. And so people come to the table network thinking that we're going to kind of be some sort of, you know, expression or network in the sea of many other networks that can kind of help them do that, that particular thing. Yeah. So we're always having to explain, well, who is table network as opposed to V3 or, or verge or saturate or forge, 
or this denomination or that denomination or Chan or like whatever. Right. And so the way we have said, say it, the way we've been saying it rather is what you said earlier. And we kind of took a little bit of a detour, but when you look at all the networks and how we would explain ourselves as opposed to them is you have the how to's, the have to's, the here to's. And what we find is any one of those roads that you choose might help you in a sense, feel like a sense of control, which has sort of been our desires humans, right? From the beginning, we're sitting under the tree of life yet. We want the tree of knowledge. I mean, that's been going on again since day one. We know that in the scriptures, but I think that's why we gravitate to so many of these things. And yet Paul doesn't run down any road doesn't offer up any other solution, doesn't bring any other plan to the problem that's happening in society. And here's the thing, and I think he doesn't do that. And the reason why he says, I knew nothing among you but Christ and him crucified is because that's all Jesus chose to know in and among us. The religious right has a plan for him and he doesn't fit the mold of the, of the would-be Messiah. The religious left wants him to move into Rome and, and take all the poor and make them the leaders of the world, to make the oppressed the rulers of society. That's what needs to happen. That'll change things. Let's, let's move him right here to, let's start a, 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 a Jewish Lives Matter march and let's take him literally straight to Rome. Yet Jesus will have nothing to do with that. We see that in the story. So he's not on the board with the right. He's not on board with the left. He's not on board with the middle. He's got a whole nother plan saying, no, your need is resurrection. That's what I'm here for. I came to give my life as a ransom to set the world free to help you realize that you already belong and you've already belonged since the get-go. And by faith, you can awaken to this reality and all that is needed for that to happen, all that is needed for the world to walk in solidarity with God and one another, I'm doing. That's why your, your best life and your best plan or your, uh, you know, how we, you know, we come at things like, I'm going to be more generous or I'm going to be anti-racist or I'm going to be more humble or I'm going to be more what, you know, whatever you want to fill in the blank, if it's a work of you, it eventually falls flat because at its core, it's about who? You. Mm-hmm. And I think Jesus just knowing this, right? That, that's why it's cross. In the, right? It's the cross. It's the cross. It's the cross. You fast forward to Paul. I knew nothing among you but Christ and him crucified. And if we miss this, then the good news that the world desperately needs to hear, the liberating news that we've been set free, gets buried okay, under a list of have-tos, here to's and how to's. Yeah. And we see that in society, but here's what's crazy. We're seeing that right now. I feel like more than ever in my journey as a believer, I'm seeing that more from the church than ever before. Yeah. I'm hardly ever hearing about the, the, the Christ who was crucified. What I'm hearing is a, just a nonstop list. And again, dude, the good news is just getting buried under this. Yep. Yeah, totally, man. I think people are laying down a lot of different ways, right? To be all who God intended you to be and to help the world be all that, you know, God intended it to be. And you don't hear a lot about the cross at all. And so you mentioned the how-tos, have-tos, and here-tos. So just really quick, and this is how I kind of like think about it in my head. The how-tos are kind of like, this is like the missional geometry crew. Like this is the one you're going to see like a zoom call in your Instagram feed. And it's like four guys, right. In a, in a conversation and one guy's sharing a screen and there's trapezoids and hexagons and charts and case studies and data and stories. And they're just going to like freaking map this thing out. You want to, Hey, you want to be a diverse church in the midst of a, you know, racially polarized society. Bam. Mm. Here you go. You want to reach the nations. Bam. Here you go. You want to reach Gen Z. Boom. Here's your, here's your five steps. Here's your path. Here's, here's your hexagons and here's your, uh, your arrows. So that, that's your, your how to, you know, crew. Um, <laughs> it's true, man. I spent so much time in that world. Yeah. I'm and I think another how to crew is kind of like another how to crew is like the ecclesial and missional purity crew. They're right. always talking about like the ills of the churches, like marriage to power and how we need to have new Testament biblical gatherings. And they'll, you know, provide you 10 point checklist to do so you can go to their website and download this thing and it'll help you lead a biblical new testament gathering in your home and it's all about just like you know ecclesial purity right and all this all this stuff um and so that's the the have to's the how to's how or the uh that's the half how to's rather this is the have to's how i picture it in my mind and i don't mean to like name drop but it's kind of like 
the chans and the plats a little bit. The emphasis is like, well, you don't want to be a cultural Christian, do you? Right. You don't want to have this Western, uh, mm. Westernized kind of like compromise cultural Christianity. Um, and they're always really talking about like, you know, what a true disciple is capital T true, genuine, yeah. authentic disciple. They'll say things like, you know, healthy things grow and bear fruit. Therefore, if you're, you're not a disciple, unless you're, you know, you're, you're making disciples. Discipleship's the answer, you know, to like everything, you know, it's like James three, there's someone who, who's like hungry and like need of clothing at your front door. It's like, well, you need to get discipled, you know, like <laughs> come to my house on Wednesday at 7 PM. And it's like, no, nah, I'm pretty sure the dude just needs a hoodie and a meal, dude. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> so these guys are going to, they're going to scare you right out of your cultural Christianity. They're going to motivate you to get moving or at least they're going to motivate you to like email your pastor and tell him he needs to get moving and like what he needs to do. Like this yeah. is that crew, right? Like the problem is like no discipleship in the church. So we've all met, met those guys and I've been that guy. So, you oh, know, yeah. like, just to be fair, met them, been them. Yep. I'm right there. Yeah, totally. And the here twos, how I kind of picture it in my head is the here twos are kind of like, um, they're the ones that are just like full of faith. They're claiming the scriptures. They're showing up in boldness. Uh, mm. They're setting up stages and baptismals in the park. They're taking a stand. They're telling the church to rise up. They're being a voice for the kingdom. They use the word kingdom a lot. A lot. They're always talking about some fresh word from the Lord, some movement of the Lord. And they show up and they make you, these, this crew makes you feel like you've never believed anything in your entire life. They're like, Am I even a Christian compared to this person, right? I'm like, the, like on their social media and on their like web and stuff, it's like, dude, fresh movements of the Lord and this and that. And it's like 10 lead singers yeah. on a stage and they're wearing like their Air Jordan ones with like their denim outfits. It's the preacher sneaker crew and like all this movement is happening, this fresh wind, right? And they're just here, dude, like boldly claiming the scriptures. Everyone's clapping, the stage is full and you're like, dude, like, am I even doing anything for Jesus? Like compared yeah. to this crew? Like, I think I'm like, I'm totally getting this wrong, man. Yeah. And immediately in that moment, you're also thinking in what they're doing, they're immediately getting it right. Yeah. They're, right. I'm not, I'm, am I doing anything? Cause they're making it happen. Yeah. And right there, right there. Boom. The deceptive drug shows up. Yeah. I nicknamed the here twos the hype, the hype crew. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's definitely, uh, you know, they, they got rid of like the microphone around the ear thing and they grabbed like the handheld. It's like the verdicts of the world, which I'm just going to say it, you know, like oh. that whole, that whole bit. I'm sure that's probably going to offend some people like in our network, but I don't care. Uh, no, I mean, it shouldn't like if he's saying things that are, I don't know if Jesus will, amen. Right. We've, we've heard that. And there's other things that were like, uh, but I mean, go on down the list with all of us. The bottom line, though, is I think just looking over that thing, we're going, wow, there, there's a, uh, you know, these religion pills, man, they're strong, bro. Yeah. They're strong. They're, they're real. And flushing them is not easy. Yeah. Right. Because every, every, it's like in every moment we have these like constant knee jerk reactions of am I, am I, am I, am I? And then they all lead to the, to the, well, what if I, what if I, what if I, <laughs> it's just, and you just keep running down this, these, these roads and you go, wait a second, all this, man, all of this, what, what, this, is this, is this Jesus? Is this, is this, did I get lost in the life of Christ? Cause it seems like if so, this wouldn't, these wouldn't be, <laughs> this, this wouldn't be the narrative. How do we get here? And I think we've already, you know, looked at that, man. Like I think moralism is it. And if you want to dig down into the unbelief and the reconciliation of all things, it's sort of at the core of that. Great. But the thing, I think that's easiest to grab onto is man, like the religion of doing good. Hmm. It's uh, I think it's become uh it's become the banner of the church in a lot of ways. And it's and like, dude, is the work finished or not? And because like for us, and I'll, and I'll say like my own journey and even our journey, you know, these last like six years with Table Network, I've learned a lot from the how-tos, have-tos, and here-to, you know, crew. I've mm -hmm. taken some things from, from them. I got some of their books on my shelf. I've met some of them, friends with some of them, and, and, and I've learned. But man, I just cannot get past I desire to know nothing among you except Christ and him crucified. I cannot yeah. get past that the gospels referred to as news, which means that it was an event, something that took place. It already yeah. happened. It's already done. It's already finished. 
news and news is an announcement of something yeah. that's already done, finished, sealed, secure, right? Yeah. It already happened. Yeah. And for us at Table Network, I know that at the beginning of this thing, you name Table Network and Table as a metaphor to talk about this mystery, this mystery of the finished work, that there yep. is a God in heaven. And yes, we are broken, but he has done something in his son. So, so lasting, so beautiful, so all encompassing, so cosmic, so final, so beautiful in his son, in his living, in his dying, in his rising. It's already done. And though we are broken and though we are broken in the like rebellious sense, but also the self-righteous sense, as we start taking these like yeah. moralism pills, that he's invited us to his table. Yep. Into his work, into his relation, into this relationship with the Trinity, into this celebration, this dance, this feast known as the Godhead. Yeah. The true the, reality of the world. Yeah, the Trinity. always meant to be an Im imagery of that, that we have a great host, right? That's already said like, dude, I took care of it. It's done. Come and just believe and know. And I get that what you see doesn't match up with all things are reconciled, Colossians 1, 15 to 20. I get that it's, it doesn't necessarily match up with that, but you got to trust in me that this thing's already finished, that the kingdom is not something you need to build, bring, or bear the burden of, but it's something that we're receiving, something that's being unfolded, something that's coming, that's already here. Yeah, it's a game changer, man. I think you just, you know, getting the network started, it was all about just seeing that reality and just wanting to invite other people into the finished work of Jesus. Like by definition, like a mission statement for us would be helping people find rest and belonging in the finished work of Jesus. If you're, man, if you really want to, to, to know him, to walk with him, to live in the things of him, then the journey is to die and get lost in him. It's a story about him and it's for our joy and for our good and and how he's chosen to, to, to make that known and to bring that about. And Table Network definitely bared that name of just the table being that picture, that image. But what I've noticed over the years is as, as the have-tos and the how-tos and the here-tos become just louder and more clear than the good news, yeah. then the more and more the church begins to, again, as I was saying earlier, abandon the, the mystery of the cross for this religion of doing good, for, the, for moralism. And as a result, we, we don't have anything to offer a world that is truly drowning in the endless pursuit of the ideal self and society. And somebody recently asked me like, okay, so just seeing that man and like what you've learned in the network over the years, how do you guys see the church going forward? How do you, how do you move forward in this? What does that look like? What does that tangibly look like for the church? And uh, I said, man, I think the best example I could give you is AA. Mm. And uh, of course they were like, whoa, 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 what? You know, well, I mean, that's a, that's, you know, that's a good ministry for, you know, people that have hurts and habits and hangups. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm super glad that, you know, that's available for people, but what about like the rest of us? And of course I'm like, um, so there are, so really quick, there are people on earth who don't live with hurts, habits, and hangups. Yeah. Yeah. yeah just the question alone, man, just bears witness to like, oh, I think we might've, I think we might be completely missing what Jesus is saying and doing right now. Let's get back to that. And I think AA does truly provide us that opportunity. Um, you know, just to give you a quick little, for instance, AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, right, has a stated purpose of enabling its members to stay sober and help other alcoholics achieve sobriety. And you could probably make a case for it being so widespread is, be, is in part because they provide acceptance and fellowship to broken people in a world that holds them at bay in a world that where they don't feel like they can be who they are or where they don't, they can't be normal. Yeah. Um, what I love dude and digging in today is finding that even though sobriety is their goal, their only guarantee, check this out is belonging. I love that by the way. I'm just like, dude, that is it. That is it. And they're committed to being a shelter from the storm in this world instead of an inner circle for the victorious. So you, in a sense, you could say they flip the script on what it means to qualify for love, grace, and belonging. And I'm going, yeah, yeah, that, that looks like what I see Jesus doing, accomplishing in his death and resurrection, and then inviting us into. And the people that have joined into this, 
the people who are proclaiming this good news, by definition, in the scriptures, they're called, check this out, the church. It's, it's not a building dope, on the corner. Man. Like it makes so much, it makes so much sense. And I know there's a lot more there. First of all, I just, I wish I would have grabbed onto this a long time ago, back when I prided myself on, you know, church discipline and and being a good pastor and being a churchman, right? And all this. Back when you were popping them pills. (laughs) Back when I was popping them pills, man, you know, like, man, just trying to like obey all the scriptures, you know, meanwhile, conveying to people that you know, Jesus isn't a friend of sinners. He's opposed to sinners. Yeah. And I was just reminded yesterday, there's, um, I'm doing a, I'm doing a wedding next year and I got to, uh, to actually connect with the bride yesterday at Cam's football game Mm. and come to find out that I'm option B for them, um, to do the wedding. I'm actually kind of used to that, uh, honestly a little bit, Mm. but, um, they went to like a, like a pretty well-known pastor in our area and found out that, you know, well, man, this guy, his background is he's Catholic, you know, he's just, he's just not a true genuine like believer, you know, and here's a dude that's just been like, he's been diving in, he's been attending church. He's been kind of like listening in. He's gotten to, you know, hear about good news. Yeah. His family that he's coming in and around uh, to the point where like, you know, the daughter and him are engaged and the parents feel good about it and all this other stuff. But then they go and have this meeting with this pastor and it's like, nah, dude, like you ain't it. And I'm not doing the wedding. And, um, and this girl's just like in tears and this family who's been going to this like church forever. They're just like, they're just angry because they see the, I'm sure this dude had his reasons why. Right. And you might even be listening like, yeah, man, if that was my daughter, I might have some reasons why, but I think we fail to see the unintended consequences sometimes of that. We're like, what's left and what's communicated is, dude, you're not welcome. You're not good enough. Yeah. You ain't it. You ain't there. So therefore, I can't do this. Because if you did ABC, right. you could belong. Yeah. Yeah. Moralism, the religion of doing good, the opposite of Jesus and the life that he's actually invited us into. The who's opposite in? of getting lost in the who's life in? of Christ. Who's out, right? Yeah. And what's crazy is like, in a certain sense, like in saying that, you're like sending this dude to hell. Mm. Like, yeah, dude, you're not in. You're in hell, actually. You're out on the outside. Yeah, dude, that's uh, that's wild, man. Because I'm looking at, I'm I'm hearing what you're saying, and immediately I think about somebody that is a 27 year member of AA was in a conversation with one of our leaders in the network a week ago, talking about this thing that we're talking about right now. And uh, and Jameson is a guy in our network. He brought this to me, and he said, "Yeah, man, I was listening to this dude, and I'm like, that's so crazy. I can't believe you guys like." It really all just centers around belonging, period. And then everything else will flow from there. And this dude responds and he goes, bro, we'll put a thief in charge of the treasury. And Jameson goes, what? And this dude responds with, and I love this. He says, how else will they learn? And I'm like. And I remember who you else? Told, dude, I you remember who else put a thief that? in charge of the treasury. Yeah. 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 His name's Jesus. Because how else would he learn that he already was home free before he even got started? Oh, man. Dude, I could cry, man. man. I could. uh, It's it's crazy how far we've moved, man. You know, like every... Every outlet that's supposed to be a voice of the scriptures is just caught up on election conversation and racism and all sexism all this and do we have we have this beautiful true all-encompassing news that would shut everyone's mouth create humility right in both our rebellion and our self-righteousness shut our mouths and produce in our hearts love for god and neighbor and we're just meddling in just bullshit yeah. Yeah. There's this Trinity that has invited us, like literally created the world to, so they could participate in the dance. And then, and then a member of this Godhead gives his life to bring us into the dance. And it's like, we're all in like mid twirl and all we can think about is like, Hey man, I'm wondering, I feel like I heard a note was off of the band. <laughs> or by the way, I just saw so-and-so walk in. Are you sure that they, 
that they qualify to be here. Hey, I'll, I'll be right back. Like, just, I'll, I'll, just hold the dance. I'll be right back. That's kind of like where we live. And it doesn't remove like what's good and what's right or what's wrong or what's beautiful from the world. It's not that. It's just saying, man, it's, it, grace isn't a temporary suspension of the rules. It's, it's not God removing the rules. Uh, he, he's not a schizophrenic God. He's not one in the Old Testament and all of a sudden becomes somebody in the new. And he's like, you know that law thing? Yep, it's over. It's out of here now. Jesus, no, Jesus says not one dot of it shall be removed. It still stands. What grace is, is God saying, is basically operating outside of that. He's saying, listen, none of you can keep the rules. The religion of doing good, yeah, you're bankrupt at it from day one. Even the good you do at the end of the day is ultimately about you and your own fame and your own fortune. And because you can't do this, I'm just going to opt to not play by the rules anymore. And instead, I'm going to give my very life for you so that in my death is your death. And in my resurrection is your resurrection. And damn it, we can just get back to the party. And it's in belonging here that you'll begin to see and understand and who I am and what I'm doing. And you'll begin to welcome others, even if they have total opposite views of you on things. Because you can come to a common table and begin to hear from me on those things. And maybe begin to walk in things that do lead to healing and harmony that we do want, right? Those are yeah. good things. It's just when you try to run it on your own, through your own definitions and your own metrics and your own merit, it, it falls flat. It's always fallen flat. It will always fall flat. Yeah. And it's time for the church to just recognize that and go, dude, the church is just a movement of broken people. I love the way Tolian puts this, passing on the news of God's boundless love. That's it. To paint a picture of anything else would be false advertisement, as Capen said. So again, that's why I love the AA illustration because I go back to this thing and I'm like, wow, I'm looking at AA and there's like this, this anon anonymity of this international fellowship in a sense. It's like, uh, it's like everybody who's a part of it has signed up to befriend the recovering alcoholic. They've, they've signed up for great uncertainty and cost. There's no leadership ladder to climb. There's no currency for bartering in the public square. There's no illusion of leaving behind a shining legacy. It's like the opposite of what we think of typically in modern church. They are a nameless, leaderless fellowship with one condition upon entry, your desire to stop drinking, and one promise, you'll belong no matter what, hmm. period. It's a home for people that have tried everything and lost. In Christianity, dude, in contrast to that, the church, you could say, is often portrayed as moralism, what we've been talking about, the religion for the winners who are serious about loving their neighbors as themselves. And when we believe that this is the will of God, the church really has no choice but to operate like an improvement center with conditions and checklists, an improvement center that offers sermons and studies and service opportunities to help people achieve the ideal self and the ideal society. But Christianity properly understood through what we actually see Jesus teaching, a teaching, by the way, that made the religious do-gooders hate him and plot his murder. That should make us stop right there and think for a second. Oh, we might not, we might not be on the up and up on this thing based off our sheer desire at the core of what we're doing here. So when we look at that, we go, oh, Christianity properly understood is the enemy of moralism. It's a fellowship for the losers who have given up on their ability to truly love God and others as themselves hmm. because they know they can't. So believing that Jesus said that the will of God, that the work of God, he literally said this, that the work of God is to believe in the one in whom he sent. Dude, we're yeah, finally free to just be who we are. And that phrase in John 6 comes after a whole crew being like, well, what, what do we need to do to do the works of God? Yeah. Show what us do we the need way. to, do to, to What do we need to do to bring the kingdom? What do we need to do to build the kingdom? What do Here's we need to do to fix God, society? Dude believe yeah. here's yeah exactly in the center of that here's what you can do trust me and come to the dance everything else is going to be a work of me in and through you if it's a work of you it's of no value because it's of no good because it's not about others it's just about you you know how, dude when you look around right now and i'm guilty of this myself but it's it's astonishing like how much we use people in the name of good how much we enslave people to the pursuit of our own freedom and then we call it Jesus. Yeah. We call it the church. And I'm going, nah, it ain't. It's time to just get back to the simplicity of this, man. The table is a message of unconditional grace, unmerited grace, reckless grace. 
It's the story of a God that brought everybody to the feast. So hear me when I say this, please. Everyone already belongs. And the table network is basically a, a network of failures and fakes who are saying, damn it, it's time they all knew. Yeah, man. <laughs> and I think you definitely, so I'm just going to make a confession here in that, you know, um, I started really diving into over the last few months, a lot of the political conversation started following some people diving into some things really just started getting like immersed in it, you know, podcasts, YouTube, Twitter accounts, Instagram accounts, videos, conversations, arguments, backs and forths. You know what happened in all that? Um, I started hating people. Mm. I started like, like really like hating people. Yeah. And that was the clue to me. I was like, yeah, I don't think this is a fruit of Jesus at all. <laughs> no. no. And I was like, holy cow, dude, there it is. There yeah. it is. Moralism, right? In whatever kind of little disguise and little like, you know, little facade that that kind of came to in my head and in, in my heart. I postured myself as if I had figured it out. I'm on the good side. I'm on the right side. Look at all these other idiots. Look at these morons. Look what they believe. Look how they're acting. Look what they're saying. This is what's wrong with the world. This dude over here. This girl over here. And it's like, yeah, I still got some opinions about that stuff. But when I saw just like how seriously like my heart took that and how much my heart grabbed onto that yeah. as like it's, you know, it like the like the center like point of who I am and who other people are and what's wrong with the world. Holy cow, dude. It what didn't produce love. I'll tell you that. Yeah. And it's like when you start dialing in on good news like this, dude, come one, come all, man. Yeah. Come one, come all. There's not a single person who I wouldn't want to be at my table. Um, and there's not a single person I wouldn't want to be at their table. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I naturally don't know what you're talking about because I don't wrestle with things like that. But, uh, yeah. But I think it was good, it's good for us to have this conversation because when people first see our name, I think they kind of like throw us into like the how-to's. They think, oh, yeah. Table Network, like here's this crew that's kind of doing like church in this cool little like way of the table, you know, and yep. we're going to help them like start a table and, you know, start this kind of new approach to church that connects with millennials and Gen Z and people who are like done with this. And cool, if we grab onto this kind of like paradigm and, and mm -hmm. this expression, man, we're really going to start to see some like really cool stuff happen um, until you realize that it's actually not where you're sitting standing or talking at all it's like what you're believing about who god is <laughs> and who people are yeah if anything we're not gonna we're not gonna be the crew that gives you a blueprint we're um we're gonna be the crew that that invites you into the freedom of uh throwing the one you have away there's there's a person and his name's jesus and it's him right that we dwell so yeah, we're going to teach on things. We're going to unpack good news. And yeah, we'll help you think through the table and connecting with people. Amen. We're all for that or how, whatever, you know, format. But for us, the table is a picture of this good, reckless news of God's liberating grace. Yep. And what it looks like to live in light of that and for the church to, to be a conduit of that to the world. And I do think AA is probably the best example we've got. And um, in fact, I believe it so much. We've recently put a piece together that helps people dive into what that actually looks like and means in the everyday. It's not a manual, um, but it is a picture, I think, of the church centered around the mystery of the cross. Yep. And I think that's what God's invited us into right now. And it doesn't mean, like, and I know we've said this, like, yeah, we can have opinions about politics and, and, uh, and life and just you know, fill, fill in the the, you know, the problems of the world. And we, I just think realizing that we already belong because of a work of Jesus allows us to come to a table together and have civil conversations with one another about things that might actually be leading towards harmony or leading away from harmony. But no one's belonging, no one's love, no one's acceptance hinges upon where they are in that conversation. I think that's the difference. In fact, if anything, grabbing onto the good news is what frees us up to look at each other as people who do matter and say, man, I love you and 
let's continue to, to learn about the things of the world and look at them through the lens of what Jesus has done and declared. And wherever Amen. you stand, wherever you are in the journey, you belong, period. So that's it, man. I think that's, I think that's what we're kind of sort of coming out of the summer saying, this is where our hearts and our minds are at. And this is what we want to run down. And this is what we want to invite even more people into because the network's been growing basically every week throughout all of COVID. It's been kind of wild, but it's a little bit of who we are and where we're going. So wherever you are on your journey, again, you're invited. No applications to submit, no molds to fit, just the sharing of lives and stories through friendships and timeless truths. And we'll see what Jesus does. And just a quick side note, the piece that Russ mentioned a little bit, um, a little bit ago, that we posted uh, last Friday on our social media feeds. So you can go to Facebook or you can go to Instagram. The link is in the bio, the vision piece that we wrote for the church. That is the piece he's referencing. You can go ahead and click that and, and get a download of that there. I say that's a wrap on episode 87. Good ending yeah. there, Russ. Uh, we want to personally thank you for listening to the Slowdown podcast. Um, thank you for your continued support. Um, and you can... You can support us by subscribing to this podcast, sharing it with your friends. Um, if you want to financially support the work of the Table Network, you can go to thetablenetwork.com, hit the give button. Uh, if you want to talk a little bit more about partnership, what this might tangibly look like, this table that is basically like this picture of you know this this mystery um, and how you can turn any table in your city, state, neighborhood, workplace, whatever, um, into just a, 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 a tangible, simple place to declare this reality among all your friends. We would love to talk to you um, about that. Um, so until next time, peace, peace out.